Welcome to the King's Cast, dynamic teaching recorded live at King's Church in Cambridge, England. We hope you are blessed and challenged by listening to the ministry today. And now, here's the broadcast. It is an honor to be here. Thanks for having us, Phil. Shake the Nations has strong roots in this church, and we are so grateful to, to be with you this morning. I want to mention something briefly. If you're not interested, you can tune out. It's going to be over in like two minutes. Is that okay? Like three people thought it was okay? Okay. I'm doing it anyway. You know that, right? Okay. So we want to mention to you partnership with Shake the Nations. Listen, it starts at 15 pounds a month. This does not go to make sure that we drive shiny new cars or have really awesome mansions like, you know, the Beverly Hills or something. We don't have any of those things, nor do we want any of those things. We kind of believe that part of the Bible in first Peter, where it says it's all going to burn one day. So this is the deal. Partnership with Shake the Nations is how we budget for those crusades that Nathan was talking about earlier. This is what sends us out on the mission field. How many of you in your spare time like to hop over to Malaysia and preach in a stadium? Raise your hand. Well, a couple of you'd have a go. <laughs> That's awesome. I love you for that. That's awesome. But many of you can't go where God is sending us, but your monthly gifts can send us to the harvest fields. And this is what we promise you. We will not use your money to get a shiny new car. We will not use your money to get a nice shiny new house. And we will not use your money to, you know, in an abusive way. What we will do is we will use that gift, that precious gift to take the gospel to those who might never hear it any other way. If you know Shake the Nations, we don't always go to the big ministry. Big ministry, I hate that term. Is that the dumbest thing you've ever heard? Who made that up? We don't go to all the big ministry places and we don't try to see how often we can get on a Christian TV station. We go to places, we were just in Mexico where they don't even know what it's like to have four walls on their church. And we got rained on. And we were worried the meeting would be over because it wasn't like a rain. Y'all have the cutest little rain in England. It's like this drizzle stuff. I mean, back over where we're from, when we say it's raining, we mean a monsoon, right? The heavens have opened and you all going to get wet. It's over. So like it starts pouring rain. We thought the meeting would be over. And the only people freaking out were the four white people. All the Mexican church people were looking at us going, what is your problem? They just moved their chairs. It's no big deal to them that they don't have four walls in their church. By the way, you know what Jesus did when he came to church in Mexico? This is cool. How many want to hear a story? Okay, because I was going to tell it anyway. I just wanted to know what you thought about it first. But, but yeah, we were in the meeting one night and we all got dreadfully sick. If you go to Mexico, please don't eat the pork. Your prayer life will increase for reasons that aren't spiritual. That's all I have to say about that. Is, are y'all okay with having fun in church? You look a little afraid of me right now. <laughs> Everyone take a deep breath. <sighs> it's all good. Whatever I break, Pastor Phil will fix it next Sunday. It's okay. <laughs> look a little frightened there. Just believe me, I'm not coming to eat you. It's okay. <laughs> You've had your token American sighting today. It's all going to be okay. But while we were in Mexico, Nathan Morris and Rachel, his wife, got a bit sick. So they had to leave the meeting just a little bit early, which they never do. But there were still like hundreds of people to pray for. So I told my Nathan, well, I'll stay and I'll help pray a bit, you know. Well, here comes this little girl. She's about 12 years old and one leg is visibly two inches shorter than the other. And she comes up and they want prayer. Well, I did this the exact wrong way. Like I should have prayed in English because we're in Mexico where they don't speak what? 
English. And so they wouldn't have known what I was praying, right? And it wouldn't have been all that big of it. We wouldn't have called a lot of attention to ourselves. But no, I just have to demonstrate that I took Spanish in high school. So here we go, right? And I'm like commanding this leg to grow in the name of Jesus, but I'm doing it in Spanish. Well, I don't know if you've noticed, but I'm not exactly quiet. So a crowd begins to form because the Mexican people would like to know if Jesus plans on listening to the crazy white girl. And I'm saying on nombre de Jesucristo, I'm going for it, right? Like I've got one gear. Okay. That's it. So we're going for it and we're commanding this leg to grow. Y'all, I'm telling you right now, before you could, what would Jesus do? Before you, okay, before you could think about it, before you could come up with some spiritual terminology for it, that leg went and grew straight out. And I'm telling you, well, my Nathan walked up right about then. And I wish I could tell you, I said something deeply spiritual about this miracle, but I looked at him and I said, you know, Nathan is from Yorkshire. I've been a little contaminated. And I looked over at him and I said, flipping act. Did that just happen? (laughs) You're all laughing. Like you wouldn't have been freaked out. Don't look at me with that spiritual look. I know you'd have been freaking out too. I'm telling you that little girl's leg grew out immediately. And she began to run around the room and that whole room went absolutely completely crazy because Jesus did a miracle in the house. All I'm saying is this, you may not be able to hop a flight to Mexico into the cartel zone. By the way, this was not Acapulco. We were, there were people with machine guns absolutely everywhere. We still haven't told my mother that. She don't need to know everything. You know what I'm saying? Uh, uh-uh. it was, we went to the dangerous part of Mexico. You may not be able to hop a flight and join us on, in the fields, but your monthly gift is what sends us there. And if you're at all interested in that, if you'll just see us after the service down at the table, we'll help you get accommodated with that. Now, nobody's talking about money for the rest of the day. Everybody take a deep breath. See, don't you feel better? I was just, yeah, there we go. Listen, I want to preach to you this morning for just a few minutes. I'm going to try not to preach the everlasting gospel this morning. Um, I noticed there's a stopwatch up here. It's on zero, so you're all in deep trouble. (laughs) Last Sunday, we preached it at, uh, in Wath, and there is a big, it looks like a ginormous trap door. I'm told it's a baptismal pool, but I looked at Pastor Peter and I said, I'm not to preach this, but I need to know that you don't have a button that's going to make the floor drop out while I'm preaching. When you say, when I say something you don't like, cause that's a little creepy. So now we have stopwatches. It's something different in every church, but it's all good. If you will just hang out with me for a few minutes today, we're going to have an awesome time in the Holy ghost. I want to preach a message to you that I promise you, this is one of those things. If you do what I'm preaching this morning, it will change your life. Not maybe you're quiet again. I'm talking about, I'm talking about God has weapons in his arsenal that can take your life where it is right now and totally change it, totally turn your life upside down and change it, put courage into your heart and make you into, I'm talking about, there are those of you that are quiet in this room by nature. That's not wrong. That's not, do you understand? That's not a sin. But when pastor Phil talks about taking this thing out on the streets, you're having a heart attack in your chair going, that's not me. I can't do that. But if you will listen to what we're talking about this morning, I'm telling you, it can change your heart. It can absolutely change everything about you. I want to speak to you this morning about the power of saying yes. All right. As a believer, 
The one of the most important things we can ever do is say yes to Jesus. As a matter of fact, anybody in the room that's been walking with God for more than 10 minutes will tell you that walking with God is just a series of yeses. And the trick is we say yes without ever knowing what the question is. How many knew what you were signing on for when you got saved? I don't know what the theological term is, but I think God's sneaky. If he told us everything he intended for our lives, we would run a million miles the other way. But how many know that saying yes to Jesus is the biggest adventure on this planet? There is nothing, there is nothing that can hold you back when you've said yes to God. They taught us in Bible school, you must seek God with the attitude of yes, Lord, before he's ever asked the question. The old time Pentecostal saints would have called it surrender. Oh, we don't like that word anymore, do we? We just don't like it. It means we might be inconvenienced. Well, you know, welcome to Christianity. It's not about your comfort zone. Never mind. We'll talk about that later. You didn't like that. Let me ask you a question. King's Church. Do you want revival? Do you really want revival? Because let me inform you. Having grown up in one revival and having served in another. (laughs) The truth is, revival is messy. It is inconvenient. What it's going to mean is, gentlemen, instead of watching your football game at night when you wanted to, what you're going to do is you're going to seek God at the prayer meeting at the church house until something happens. What it means, ladies, is instead of going out and shopping, what we're going to do is we're going to take that gift, something that could have been precious to us in our personal life, and we're going to deposit it to the kingdom because Jesus is worth it. What it means is your schedule with your family is going to be totally, completely, 100% interrupted. Take your life, throw it in a blender. That's revival. I mean, do you want revival? Do you want what God wants more than you want what you want? Because I'm telling you now, when the Bay Revival broke out, you were talking about four nights a week. The services were four and a half hours ago. And at the end of that, I was so messed up in the Holy Ghost that they would throw me in my car, drive me across the Bay, and throw me on my couch and just hope I made it to the bed at some point. For four months, it was like that. That's why my voice sometimes goes, ask me if it was worth it. Because we saw the sick healed. We saw the lost saved. We saw blind eyes open. We saw people jump out of wheelchairs like it was no big deal because there's nothing too hard for the Lord. But let me tell you, church, revival is messy. Do you want revival? Well, let me tell you, it's not about whether or not God wants to send revival to Cambridge. We don't need to go have a prayer meeting about that. We know that God wants to demonstrate the book of Acts in this house, in this city, in this nation. Everything. We're not waiting to see if God might want to do something here. Of course he does. Are you kidding me? He is waiting. It's as if God is on the throne leaning over going, come on, baby, let's go. He's waiting on your yes. Turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 1. This is not quite going to be a Christmas message, but sort of for just a minute. But Christmas is my favorite holiday, and there you go. It's all good. Luke chapter 1. Are you there? Not quite? 
Luke chapter 1, verse 30. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I am a virgin? Now, we're not going to go to science class this morning, but how many know that was a pretty good question? How can this be since I am a virgin? The angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And for that reason, the Holy Child shall be called the Son of God. And behold, even your relative Elizabeth has also conceived a son in her old age. And she who was called barren is now in her sixth month. For nothing, not a word, will be impossible with God. Oh, come on now. And Mary said, behold, the bond slave of the Lord. May it be done to me according According to your word. And the angel departed from her. Now that scripture about nothing's impossible with God. Can I read it in the Amplified Bible? You know by now I'm going to do it anyway. That was just me being nice, right? The Amplified Bible was written by a woman. So it's like double the words. Anyway, Luke chapter 1 verse 37 in the Amplified says, For nothing is ever impossible, and no word from God shall be without power for fulfillment or impossible for fulfillment. Oh, Well, what does that mean? That means that whatever God has spoken, whenever God gives a word, built into that word is automatically the power for its fulfillment. When God speaks out a destiny over King's Church, Cambridge, right into that word is its power for fulfillment. Now, where is that in the Bible, Lydia? Do you remember Isaiah 55? It says, so is my word that proceeds out of my mouth. It will not return unto me void without fulfilling and accomplishing what I have sent it to do. So God has a purpose for you, church. God has a purpose for Cambridge. God wants to send revival to this church, to this city, to this nation. God wants to stir up the wells of revival in the United Kingdom once again. God wants to do it. That is the word of the Lord over your life. But I'm telling you right now, we're not waiting to see. We're not debating about whether or not God can do it or whether or not God wants to do it. Built into that word is the power for its Fulfillment, but God is waiting on your yes. Come on, work with me. God is waiting on your yes. Think about Mary. Just, just let's think about this for a minute. I see some kids in the room, so we'll be nice. But this is the deal. Historians, people smarter than me, say that she was between 13 and 17 years old. I like to think she was out doing the laundry. Or something really dumb like that that didn't have any meaning. She's just out doing the laundry, hanging up the wash. And she's minding her business. And Gabriel shows up in the backyard. We don't have yards here. We have gardens, don't we? Okay, well, garden. It is so dangerous to have me preaching in one of the educational capitals of the world. What were you thinking, man? Anyway, we'll talk about that later. So Mary's just doing a menial task and Gabriel turns up. I mean, what kind of a weird day are you having when the angel of the Lord appears in your backyard, right? And he tells her, announces to her that she is going to host the son of the living God in her body for nine months and that she and her husband are going to serve him for 30 years as his parents. Now, let me ask you a question. Between 13 and 17 years old, do you really think Mary understood what she said yes to? 
Good grief, I'm 30. I'm not sure I could get it. She said yes to something she could not possibly have understood. So the first thing I want to tell you this morning is, (laughs) you do not have to understand God to say yes to him. Maybe we didn't all graduate from Cambridge University today, and maybe some of us just feel better knowing that we don't have to understand God to say yes to him. We don't have to understand how God's going to send revival to this region. We don't have to have a good idea. We don't have to have a 12-step plan. We don't have to have necessarily a community outreach organization to get it all done. Listen, let me tell you, this is the truth. We don't have to understand how he's going to do it or why he's going to do it. We don't have to know who he's going to use. It could be somebody beside you that you've never thought of before. You don't have to understand God to say yes to him. I don't know about you, but I feel better. That scripture, you talked about it earlier. I don't remember if it was on the pulpit or, or when we were all praying about Paul saying, we did not come to you with enticing words of men's wisdom. Every time I read that, I get, I get tickled because like me, really, I wouldn't even know how to string together enticing words of men's wisdom. You've got to be kidding me. I've got no university degree. I've got no degrees. I'm just, I'm just glad y'all let me in today. <laughs> Really, I can't believe anybody thinks it's a good idea to hand me a microphone. It's ridiculous. I don't know how to put together enticing words of men's wisdom. But I don't have to understand God to say yes to him. And this is the truth. He is not so much looking for your academic yes. He's not so much looking for your understanding of his inner workings as he is your availability to be used by the Holy Ghost. God's not looking for you to understand him. He's looking for you to trust him. Mary said something. She said yes to something she couldn't possibly have understood. And her yes introduced us to the savior of the world. Let me tell you, friends, somebody in your world outside of these four walls is dependent upon your yes to Jesus to introduce them to him. It's on you. The Bible does not say understand the Lord with all your heart. If it did, we'd all be in big trouble. But I tell you what it does say. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to what you can understand. And in all your ways, acknowledge him. And he will, he will, he will direct your path. The Bible said of Mary... After she had said yes to Jesus, to hosting Jesus, the Bible says of her, and blessed, happy, to be envied, is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of the things that were spoken to her from the Lord. Now, let me tell you, this morning in this room, there are people, the Bible says, hope deferred makes the heart sick. And there are people in this room that you've heard things like this all your life. And you have been, you've received prophetic words. This is what you're going to do. God's going to use you to do this. And you have felt the prompting of the Holy Ghost. But then time went by and nothing happened yet. And delay set in. And discouragement set in. And you're sitting here going, yeah, right, Lydia. But let me tell you what. This morning, God is going to breathe fresh life on those old prophetic words. And let me tell you, there is a blessing of the Lord that comes on your life when you simply believe that there will be a fulfillment of his word in your life. I want to tell you this morning that (laughs) saying yes to Jesus will take you to the strangest places. Y'all think I was meaning that really super spiritual, don't you? (laughs) Saying yes to Jesus will put you in the weirdest, the weirdest situations where you think, 
what on earth is happening here? And, and how did I end up in this? Do you want to hear a story from the Bay Revival? A real one? Not that we have any fake ones. <laughs> it's just that I have the microphone now and Nathan Morris gets all these like neat and clean miracles. Mine are always weird and messy. I don't get that. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I need to fast more or something. I don't know. But I always end up in these whacked out situations where it's just me and Jesus and I don't know what in the world is going on. So <laughs> we were in Detroit, Michigan one night <laughs> and, uh, We'd been having, there'd been an awesome move of God. There was, I mean, God was doing miracles all over the place. And there, but what it, it was kind of funny because ever how many pay, people you prayed for, it seemed like they just kept popping back up and like they're multiplying when we're not looking. Like the crowd is not diminishing. They just wanted to hang out in the presence. And I really think that they were just going around the room from me and pastor and Nathan and just like recycling the line, you know, I'm like, man. Where are all these people coming from, you know? So I'm out praying for people. And I'm the kind, I mean, we when we would go to the Browns Revival, we'd be waiting all night for somebody to pray for us. If there's people in the room to get prayer, there's no way I'm going home yet. I can't stand it. Well, I'm going to pray for anything that moves, you know? So And some stuff that might not move, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Never mind, we'll do that later. So I'm out praying and there's this girl, she comes up in my line for healing and she's explaining to me, her name was Morgan. And Morgan was telling me that her, she was deaf in her left ear. No problem. Jesus has got this. We've only seen Jesus open deaf ears like a kajillion times now. Doesn't he? It's like Nathan was saying, at this point in life, it takes more faith not to believe that God is able to heal. Okay. So I'm like, yeah, we'll pray for that. She goes, you don't understand. It's not that I, it's not that I've just lost my hearing. The nerve has died. Okay. Do I have any medical people in the room? When a nerve dies, that's it. It's not coming back. Like, you can't wear a hearing aid to make that better. Do you understand what I'm saying? Like, she cannot hear. There's nothing that can help her here. It's over, medically speaking. So I'm listening to her say all of this to me and being a musician and not having a clue what in the world she's talking about with medical terms. I'm like, yes, amen. You know, I don't know what we're talking about here. And I heard the voice of God. How many know that sometimes God says stuff you didn't think he was going to say? What, doesn't, do y'all not walk with God in here? If you hadn't had that experience yet, let me tell you, it's coming. It's coming. So the Holy Ghost spoke to me in that moment. And he said, Lydia, you wet your finger. And you stick it in her ear. And I said, no. (laughs) Not going to happen. Maybe you're having a bad day today, Jesus. But there is no way on God's green earth I'm about to... And stick my finger in her ear in this church. John Kilpatrick and Nathan Morris are going to kill me and tell God I died. There ain't no way that's happening up in this altar tonight. That's the flesh. Get behind me. You know. (laughs) Y'all are killing me looking at me like y'all don't ever do this. I know y'all pray like that. Don't even. So I'm standing there going, right. No, you know, and she's telling me all about this, this. She continues to elaborate on all the medical history and. I'm like, yeah, okay. Couple minutes go by and I heard the Holy Ghost again. But this time he did, he was not in a good mood. This time he yelled a little bit and he said, Lydia, I said, wet your finger and stick it in her ear. Well, I really don't like it when God's mad at me. I don't know about you, but 
that makes me very uncomfortable. So I thought, well, this is great. I'm going to have to do this and explain it to Pastor Nathan later. And this is, this is, we're all going to get in trouble. And it's been a good run with Church of His Presence with the Bay Revival, but they're going to kill me now. So it's over. Going to heaven tonight, sticking my wet finger in a girl's ear. This is it. So I looked at Morgan and I said, I figured, yeah, you can't do this kind of thing without asking permission first. But how does one introduce this? You know, I don't know. There's not a diplomatic churchy way to do it. And I don't know if you've noticed, but I really did not get the diplomacy thing. I married Nathan for that. Okay. He's the nice guy in the marriage. It's not me. So I looked at Morgan and I said, Morgan, I'm not sure how to tell you this, but this is not a good opening line, Emma. I said, said, I'm not sure how to tell you this, but the Holy Spirit would like me to do something strange to you. She said, well, what does he want you to do? You know, her eyes were so big. I said, well, the Holy Spirit is asking me to wet my finger and stick it in your ear. And you know, you can try to say that really dignified, but it does not come across dignified, friend. It does not work. No matter how you say, I'm going to wet my finger and stick it in your ear, it still sounds absolutely, totally ridiculous. Saying yes to God will put you in the strangest situations. Do you know what Morgan said to me? She looked at me and she said, Well, what do I care if you wet your finger and stick it in my ear? I can't hear. What do I have to lose? So I said, right. I'm looking around. Is Nathan watching? (laughs) Where's Pastor Kilpatrick? So we get the all clear. I told them about this later, by the way, and they do still like me. It's okay. But anyway, I looked at Morgan and, you know, in the name of Jesus and only for his glory, I went. Stuck my finger in her ear and we just prayed a simple prayer, y'all. How many know you just don't have to sound like the King James has been downloaded into your brain? Is it bad to say that in the UK? Oh no, don't throw anything at me, please. I'm really a nice person. Not really, but no. But yeah, so I stuck my finger in her ear and I said, in the name of Jesus, I command that nerve to come back to life. I command that ear to be made whole right now. And do you know what happened next? She went out. Y'all, she didn't take a courtesy fall. It was like the angel of the Lord had a two by four and went bam and knocked her out. Do y'all have Tom and Jerry here? Who watches cartoons? Right? Okay. Do you remember when Tom and Jerry would knock the bulldog out and they lift his eyelids up and it said out cold? That's what we're dealing with here. That girl was so out. I mean, there was no reviving her. There was no Nathan Morris. Pick her up. No, she is done. It's over. And I'm like, well, that's great. Now I can't even test the miracle. Brilliant. You know, that's, um, that's it. I mean, we are all going to get killed over this one. This is not good. This is not good. So I just walk on, move on, go home that night. Don't have any idea how it turns out. Guess what the very first testimony was that next night. Morgan gets on the platform and she says, Pastor Nathan, you'll never believe it. But Lydia gave me in America, it's called a wet willy. You go like that in the air. She goes, Lydia gave me a wet willy in church last night and I can't explain it to you, but Jesus has healed my ear. <laughs> wet your finger, stick it in your ear. Y'all are going out on the streets, aren't you? <laughs> you can use that one for free. <laughs> Do not tell people you learned it from me. Anyway, saying yes to Jesus will put you in the strangest circumstances. I tell people, serving God, doing what we do, it's kind of like jumping out of a plane without a parachute. And somehow you land at the bottom completely unscathed. Saying yes to Jesus, it's not for the faint of heart. You know, Peter in the Bible. Do you all like the Bible? Just checking. Some churches don't anymore. We've been to those churches. 
It wasn't good. They kept their $2 offering and they got mad. Peter in the Bible, he's having a prayer time with Jesus. Just him and God. He's hanging out and the Lord gives him a vision. And we, you know that story. We won't get into all of it right now. But it ends up that he says to Peter, don't call unclean what I've called clean. And the Lord said to him, three Gentile men are going to come to your door and invite you to go to a Roman centurion's house. Don't you tell them no. You say yes to them and you go along with them. How many know that's totally illegal? A Jewish man could not even have dinner in a Gentile man's house. Now this story happens eight years after the day of Pentecost. For eight years, the church had rocked along completely, totally Jewish. And God had decided that now would be an excellent time for Israel to lift, live up to its mandate to be a light to the Gentiles. And God had begun to stir the hearts of Cornelius, that Roman centurion. And God sends Peter to his house. It's against the law. Totally against the law. But God had told Peter, don't you say that someone is unclean when I've called them clean. Y'all, this is an important story. It's how we all ended up in the kingdom. Kind of a big deal. Do you want to hear a little bit of the sermon that Peter preached when he said yes to God and ended up in a strange situation? You want to hear a little bit of that? I'm going to do it anyway. So then Peter opened his mouth and said, in truth, I perceive that God shows no partiality, but in every nation, whoever fears him and works righteousness is accepted by him. The word which God sent to the children of Israel, preaching peace through Jesus Christ. He is Lord of all that word, you know, which was proclaimed throughout all Judea and began from Galilee after the baptism, which John preached how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power who went about doing good and healing all How many? Oh, please, y'all. Get some coffee. How many? Well, we'll deal with that later. All who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And we are witnesses of all things which he did, both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem, whom they killed by hanging on a tree. Him God raised up on the third day and showed him openly. It's a good sermon, isn't it? He didn't show him to all the people, but to witnesses chosen before by God, even to us who ate and drank with him after he arose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that it is he who was ordained by God to judge the living and the dead. To him, all the prophets witness that through his name, whoever believes in him will receive remission of sins. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard the word and those of the circumcision who believed were astonished as many as came with Peter because the gift of the Holy Ghost had been poured out on the Gentiles also for they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God then Peter answered can anyone forbid water that these should not be baptized who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have and he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord and they asked him to stay a few days oh we've got revival going on now revival is happening in a location where it never was supposed to happen This is the wrong place, Jesus. They aren't ready. They don't even know the law. They don't even know what these Jewish boys have been raised under. But the Holy Ghost just bypasses all of that. All the reasons why it never should have worked. Why it never should have happened. And doesn't even wait for Peter to finish his cute little sermonette before he wrecks the place with the fire of the Holy Ghost and saves all of those Gentiles in one moment. Do you know what happened when Peter got home to Jerusalem? He got in trouble. 
Let me tell you right now, saying yes to Jesus, we are approaching the days. Yes, we are in the Western world, in the United Kingdom, in the United States. We are approaching rapidly the days when saying yes to Jesus is going to be a costly thing to your life. If you don't believe it, you've definitely not been watching the news. We are rapidly approaching the days where it's going to cost you something to say yes to Jesus. You might get in trouble for your yes. But how many know it's worth anything the enemy can dish up through whomever he chooses to use. It's worth any persecution. It's worth any misunderstanding. It's worth being ostracized to say yes to Jesus. Get ready. There are those that have already been going out and ministering in the streets in this church. But I'm telling you, that thing is, that type of anointing, for lack of a better word, is on this house. And those of you that have not yet been comfortable to do it, guess what? You're up to bat. It's time. It's time. Oh, I know that, that I can feel that, oh, I'm not the one. Guess what? Comfort zone Christianity, as we have known it in the Western world, is over. And thank God, I'm tired of it. I am tired of milk toast, painty waist Christianity that never steps out of the boat to walk on water. It's about time that the people of God got some courage in them to stand up and do the will of God. Bring the kingdom of God to this generation. It's about time that you, well, this is how we say it in America. It's time to suck it up, buttercup. Let's go. The Bible doesn't call, listen. I don't know what your Jesus is doing today, but the one from the Bible is not passing out teddy bears and blankets. It's a call to war, friend. It's time to go. They didn't like that one, babe. You might want to crank the car. Comfort zone Christianity is over. The fact of the matter is the Holy Ghost of the Bible, the real one, while he will comfort your spirit in a precious, wonderful way, the Holy Ghost of the Bible never does anything to comfort your flesh. He didn't come today to make your flesh comfortable. This is the truth. He will never comfort your flesh. He will never try to appeal to your comfort zone because the only destiny for your flesh is crucifixion. Jesus himself said, if you want to follow me, you better deny yourself, pick up your cross and follow me to the execution. I know we don't like to talk about that anymore, but that's the word of God. That wasn't even someone writing on behalf of God. That was Jesus, God in the flesh. Take up your cross and follow me to the execution. That's Christianity. Are you okay? You bored? Okay. You got just another couple minutes? Have we burnt the roast yet? Okay. What you say yes to, or shall we say who you say yes to, will begin to overshadow your life. That's where the fun starts. Now, I know we see that most vividly in Mary. She said yes to the plan of redemption, to the plan of God. And she literally was overshadowed by the Holy Ghost. And Jesus was conceived in her womb. We still believe that stuff, by the way. It doesn't matter who says we're crazy in the educational community. We still believe that the Lamb of God was born of a virgin. If you think we're crazy, eh, leave us alone. We're happy. Oh, I'm so sick of big preachers getting on TV and trying to make sense of all of these things. No, they're not carnally understood. They're spiritual. We still believe that stuff. But let's look at somebody else in the Bible that they said yes to God. And it began to overshadow their life. How about Abraham? Do you remember when his name was Abram? And that name, Abram, means father. 
This man is an idol worshiper. Not necessarily looking for God. I like that. I just like that. Because some of us need God to hit us upside the head to get our attention. Not all of us went after him. I don't know if you read the Bible, but Jesus said, you didn't choose me. I chose you. So Abraham is minding his business. He's an idol worshiper. His wife is barren. And God comes to him and says, if you'll say yes to me, and if you will start walking to a land that you don't know yet, I will make you the father, not just a father, but I'll make you the father of many nations. And Abraham says yes to that. Now, I mean, that's like if God spoke to you today and said, get in your car, take a drive. I'll tell you where you're going when you get there. We like to over-spiritualize the Bible. In real talk, that's what it was for him. That was a totally bizarre thing to do. Never known God before. Didn't know the voice that spoke to him and obeyed it immediately. So he said yes to God. Well, when Abraham, when Abram said yes to God and got that name changed, he was about 75 years old. No problem, right? God said, I'm going to make you a father. Never mind that your wife is barren. Also, you're going to get a name upgrade. You're going to go from father to the father of many nations. It's not enough for you to just be a father. You have to be the father of many nations. So now you've got grandpa running around, right? Work with me. You've got grandpa running around with everybody calling him father of nations every time they ever talked to him. Every time somebody addressed Abraham, they were prophesying the word of the Lord over his life. Remember, no word from God is without powerful fulfillment. Every time they spoke to the man, they're prophesying his destiny. You're going to be the father of many nations. Well, that prophecy, that word from God began to overshadow Abraham and Sarah. To such an extent, I don't know if y'all are going to be okay. I'm a little worried about you where we're going right now. To such an extent that the clock began to turn back. Do I have any women in the house that would like to get a little bit of that today? Listen, it literally turned their clock back. How do I know this? Because, listen, they end up hanging out in a foreign country for a while, and the king saw Sarah. And we're not talking about, y'all, there was no oil of Olay. There's, there's no Avon, okay? I mean, there's nothing like that. There, I mean, come on, we're in the Middle East. She's in the desert, and she gets to this king's castle, and he looks at her and says, Woo! I want to marry her. Kings did not marry little old ladies. She's now, you know, about 89 years old. When you think 89 years old, you think of a walker with them little tennis balls. You know, Give me my dentures, Abraham. No, 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 no. When the word of the Lord came to their life, it so overshadowed her that she became like a young woman all over again. And the Bible calls it, she received the power to conceive. 90 years old, holding her first child. I don't know if you've read the Bible lately, but Isaac was certainly not Abraham's last child. He literally birthed many, 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 many nations because the word of the Lord that he had said yes to had begun to literally overshadow his life. What are you going to say yes to this morning, Cambridge? You want revival? Do you want a move of God in this city? It should be that as long as you are on the watch, that nobody has to go to hell on your watch. It ought to be that nobody ought to have to live with cancer and die from it if you're on the watch. 
There should be no one plagued by demonic possession as long as you're on the watch. You ought to be able to look at that thing and say, in the name of Jesus, come out of that life and never come back. It ought to be that you can do that. You don't, listen, you don't have to wait on Pastor Phil. You are the one. You are the one. Are you kidding me? One man can't reach this city by himself. It's going to take every heartbeat in this room. What are you going to say yes to? You know, I feel in my spirit that God is going to begin to give strategies to this church that are not going to make sense to your natural mind. There may be weeks you come in here and you kind of think Pastor Phil's kind of gone around the bend with this weird plan of how we're going to do something. Let me tell you, one of the weirdest plans of attack in your Bible was Joshua at the wall of Jericho. Joshua meets with God. What's the plan, Lord? God says, well, you're going to, two million of you are going to walk around the wall for six days and you're not going to make a sound. That's why Jesus didn't let me be born to now. I'd have blown the whole up on the first go around. Never would have made one turn around the wall before I said something. Please. You would too. I can tell. (laughs) You're going to walk around the wall in silence for six days. Well, what are we going to do then, God? Well, the seventh day, you're going to walk around seven times. The priests are going to blow the trumpets. And then you're all going to go. And the walls are going to fall down. It's in the Bible. But let me tell you. What might seem ridiculous to your mind, to your logic, to your understanding, it might be the very thing that makes the walls come tumbling down in this city. Are you ready? Are you ready, church? Who wants to move past their comfort zone? Who wants to know God? Who is tired of... Listen... Oh, it makes me crazy. I am sick to my eyeballs of dumb church services where nothing eternal happens. If somebody's not going to get saved, if somebody's not going to get set free, if we're not introducing Jesus to those around us, what in the world are we doing? But who's ready to know God in a real way? Who's ready to step up with courage and say yes to what God has for their life? Thank you for listening and we trust that the Word of God has inspired you today. For further information about King's Church or to access our large archive of other recordings, go to www.kingscambridge.org. If you're listening on iTunes, we would love you to leave us some feedback. God bless and goodbye.